Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. Jay, get on that mic. I am on the mic. Just like moderation. Do you understand what moderation means? What is that word? Moderation. It. <laughs> that sounds like you speaking Norwegian. Moderation. What means is moderation? You don't indulge fully. So like, what? If there's a whole bowl. So I don't engage at all. <laughs> no, that moderation is you engage a, a little so bit. So that'd be like neutral. No. Would be like first gear. It's probably like third gear. I didn't even know there was a third gear. You're like first and sixth? I go first to sixth, yep, and then okay. reverse. There's like gears in between. Yeah, I didn't know that. All right. Well, learn something new every day. Well, my brake pads will last longer. All right, let's go. News. I got some news I'm excited about. Yeah, you're telling news. me all pumped up. You got a bunch of stuff. Let's see. Uh, let's let's talk about a fun one. Fun um, news? HuffPost, which is, I know, your favorite go-to, right? Oh, yeah, HuffPost, Post, bro. HuffPost, Post, they're always doing... This is on the comedy section of HuffPost, and the oh, wow. title is, LDS Church Actually Has a Pretty Good Sense of Humor About the Book of I Mormon. I saw this today. And Not on HuffPost, but I saw it on Instagram. This so, like, right here. in the uh, program that you get... So, the Book of Mormon play, yeah. the one that South Park guy... Who basically rips on the church? I can't church. believe they're still talking about that because uh, it's going to every state, every state. I know, but it's like been around for a while now. It's like two like years. years th- yeah, I don't know. So it's finally Long hitting. Time. It's finally hitting Utah. Okay. So in Utah, in the playbill, it says we've actually paid for an ad, or the church did. It says our version is slightly different. Lots With, of like, eyes. Lots of eyes and, and it slightly. Has, if you musical is entertaining, the book question mark it's life changing. Get a free copy. Oh, I still love it, dude. Right? It's I cool. It's just it. like, boom. I was listening to, yeah, a worldly podcast uh, pretty recently, and they were talking about, like, Mormons. Yeah, they're pretty good sense of humor. They're pretty cool. There you go. Finally, we just embraced the sense of humor. So, right, good job. Whoever uh, did that, kudos. Whoever's and on the marketing in the church, Huff keep Post, it up. Uh, gave you a shout-out on there. Yeah, and they're, they're not the most uh, religious post. Okay, anyways. Probably not. Um, so, okay, here's got? the – so, today – LDS church leaders release statement on excommunication of a quorum of the 70, a general authority of the church, James J. Hamula. He looks pretty Mormon to me. Very Mormon. Spoke in general conference, I think at least two, maybe three times. Recently? Recently, yeah. He's uh, the 70? quorum of the 70. Where's he from? That's a different name. Uh, doesn't say. You're getting the details that I haven't read. Well, um, I'm just saying, I mean, like, if he has a thick accent, unfortunately... I'm really ADD, so I usually don't listen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's just hard to listen. I, mean, I can't tell. Um, but he was I guess I'm wondering. Oh, well, I've, I've been struggling. I have three little kids, so, like, general conference is really hard to watch. I have no excuse because I should listen to it after. How it about, used to be hardcore. Um, on the drives. I know. I, I get it, dude. I get it. What I'm saying is he didn't look familiar, but when I'm looking at this thing right now, he looks super Mormon. Why would this guy get excommunicated? Well, they, when I say super Mormon, like he's they, pretty old. They did not fat. read these details. It's obviously confidential. But they did do a follow-up and say it was not due to anything uh, due to apostate or from— So he's still a believer. Still a believer. So my hunch is— he confessed. There's probably a confession of some sexual sin because that's generally where excommunication happens. Probably some infidelity. Yeah. My guesstimation. Yeah. In fact, I don't—you don't even—it's like I think it's the only thing you get excommunicated for, right? 
Uh, Unless you do apostate well, stuff, right? I'll, like an anti stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you what. There's three things. Not drugs um, or alcohol. Um, let me get the exact quote here because... Because most people think like, you don't drink coffee. If you drink coffee, you're out. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that's the mis- <laughs> mis- So word of wisdoms and stuff. Okay. Um, keep talking while I pull okay. up. Okay. So L. M. Russell Ballard, um, who's quorum of the 12, said... By the way, the church released this? Not like a... Yeah, yeah. The church did. Oh, so the church came out the and church, said this. So boom. The, you mean, wait, I, I always hear a lot of antis lately saying the church hides everything. They don't tell the truth. Well, no, wow. they, they, uh, this was a public. And so I'm going to talk about it later, but let me just focus okay, yeah, in yeah, on yeah. here's the reasons why excommunication. We don't talk about it a lot because, it. Is, I mean, if you're a primary teacher and you get excommunicated or whatever, like there's no press release. But this is a general authority of the church. He is Can you explain a, what excommunication is, too, just in case we have some non-members? Listening. Yeah, excommunication means that you are basically not a member of the church anymore. So your membership has been revoked. But you can still go? You st- of course. You still attend church. But I thought you shunned. No, you plead, you're encouraged to come to church. All these anti say. The purpose of the excommunication is to for these three things. Okay, let's hear it. Um, to save the soul. Number one, to save the soul of the transgressor. Number two, to protect the innocent. And number three, to safeguard the church's purity, integrity, and good name. And so, number one, to save the soul of the transgressor. Why would that be? Be- How would excommunication save the soul? Because when you commit to be a member of the church, you, you're 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 willingly taking on the name of the Lord, right? And you're willing to to make covenants, right? So you're making commitments, basically, right? Uh, spiritual contracts, right? As you could say, there's no actual signature or anything, but you're you're saying, "I will live by X, Y, and Z. I will do this. I will not do that." Mm-hmm. And so when then you choose to live outside of those things, they have consequences, right? Yeah, and, and generally speaking, generally, from my experience of knowing people that have had church discipline. I've had church discipline. It's because of, uh, well, definitely if you're vocally, publicly bashing the church, bashing the church yeah. those have been the public ones that's been happening. So they're right? protecting the church at that point. That's, yeah, the, that's protecting the protecting the church. I get that. So saving the soul would be, from my experience, has been, it's kind of a wake-up call like, Oh, this is actually pretty serious because there's a lot of rationalization justification that goes on with sin. We all do that. But this is like kind of like, hey, a wake up. No, no, this is you've crossed the line. Yeah. And I think it even goes back. I mean, what I take from it is, is like it says like you haven't been excommunicated. No, I haven't been excommunicated. I've been disfellowshipped. But they told me I was going to be excommunicated okay. and then they changed their mind. Um, but uh, they changed their mind after like praying about it or whatever. But uh, <laughs> or whatever, like uh, whatever. I mean. I don't know what really went on. I mean, that's what they said, and I believe them. I mean, I, but what I'm getting at is what I think it – what it was when I got this fellowship, which was after my mission of all things, is the, the drugs and the sex and the pornography but um, and the lying. And uh, um, for me, what I felt was that uh, when they said to protect the soul, and I think there's, they're actually serious about that. Like I feel like – the members of our stake at the because done on a local level. It's not like it goes to so, like no. when it's normal, not when it's a general authority. No, right? d- you know, the general authority is 12, 12 apostles did this. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you're a general authority, your, your council is with the council of the 12. That's when you, intense. when, when you have a church council in, uh, in your local ward, it could be with, uh, think of the your, humility this person had to have either whether they were exposed yeah. or not, or they willingly did for it. All I know is if you have a church, council done it's well if the general authority may be different all what i'm getting at is 
they wouldn't have excommunicated me or disfellowshipped me if I didn't go and confess, right? So it was all right. willing. It was on my totally, behalf. Yeah. And I had a choice whether to show up. And if I didn't show, show up, I wouldn't have been disfellowshipped. My names would have stayed fine, record, blah, blah, blah. No, not necessarily true because some of these uh, antagonistic, the antis That's of the church right? yeah. who've been... But I'm just saying on a, on a They general, will have a church discipline without them showing for up. For sure. But that's but, for that, right? Because yeah. I think the misconception that's the is in the church and with antis is that, hey, you don't go, li- you don't live your covenants. They just throw you right out, yeah, and they no. don't want anything to do with you anymore. They just kick you to the curb. Like I've heard, I've read that BS on online, yeah. and it's it's easy to false. easy to push that false out because they have most most vast not. majority of people have never experienced this <laughs> and will never experience it. And most people are like my family; they're just driving around. They don't know anything about any church, yeah. right? So right. they just read something about the Mormons. They go, "Oh, yeah, see, so violent!" This, I've heard violent. I heard it's it's a violent. I was I'm like, that's uh, absolutely not. Oh, I've been I was in these shunned churches. by my family and friends. And I've been in church councils, and and there are tears. And hugs and love that is expressed in every single one. Never felt more love in my life, actually. Even though I went in there feeling a lot of shame, I left feeling like, hey, dude, like these people love me and they care about me. So save do. the soul of the transgressor to me, is, it's generally a wake-up call. That's what it is. is and, and I've seen some where I'm like, I, I thought they'd be excommunicated from like, you know, you from look there. at the check, you know, the checkbox, like the this, 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 this. Yep. And they were not. And then I've seen others that were. Yeah. And... Uh, I, I believe it's a relative, you know, there's a revelation that happens during those councils. Um, so in this case, we don't know why. Uh, we know it wasn't due to apostasy. I'll, I'll give you my hunch. Um, that uh, and, and I think why it's public is because that's on the part of church's purity, integrity, and good name. Because this has been, is a public figure. If you're a general through the church, and um, the <laughs> they put it out there. So so here's what I'm talking about. So it was posted, you know, on LDS.org. It was picked up by, uh, um, like, some Mormon news stuff. And on Facebook, I saw some comments like, why would you post this? Why would you talk about this? And I chimed in and I said, I actually think it's a great thing that they published this out. A, because it it shows today, tonight in our ARP meeting, we talked about uh, daily accountability, the maintenance steps. Yeah. And to me, and I have known bishops, stake presidents, stake counselors, and bishoprics, and and stake presidents have been excommunicated, and and sometimes no one talks about it because I, I think that's culture. Um, and other times I'm like, I want to know that even the Great Fall, these people that we put up, they literally are on a pedestal, literally are up on a stand, preaching to us. They are just as they are tempted just as much, if not more to sin than you and me. And when they do, they, they're they gonna they're gonna fall and they're gonna be subject to church discipline just like me and there's a way back. So I think that's great because we're gonna hear tonight on our podcast, I think we're traveling, we're gonna put it at the tail end of this. Gilbert, but, Arizona. But a gentleman that went through church discipline and all those fears are, you know, those fears of confession are Satan's putting those fears into us. I heard it once in a meeting, it was the best way I've ever heard it, is when we go to commit the sin, or if you think of Adam and Eve, he tells you that everyone's doing it, right? Right. right? Yeah. The adversary yeah. said, This is how Try this it. is how this is how it's done. This is how we all get it. Is you gotta do this, right? You gotta commit this sin. To, so you know the good from the evil, right? Yeah. So you do it. And in the world yeah. it's everyone's doing it. And every, that's what I'm saying. So in the beginning, when you when you partake the first time, when you commit the sin, whatever it may be or the transgression, the adversary's in your mind saying, Everyone's doing it, this is how it's done. Then, once that becomes, as soon as you take it, it's 
run and hide because Heavenly Father's gonna be pissed at you, and you're the only one that's ever done that. So you're gonna be you're so gonna you be experience dead. those emotions every single time. And ironically, that's the same uh, reaction of Adam and Eve, right? The fall. Run and hide. But make but yourself like, close. Yeah. Hey, that's everyone's doing it. This is how everyone's doing that's it. That's how we do it. This is how we. This is how it's done. Yeah. Right. The lie is this is how it's done. Where it's like, well, that's maybe technically, maybe not. But then the the irony is, but then he gets in your mind. He, he doesn't use that same lie. He changes his lie to go. You're the only one that's done it. Well, anyways, what I'm getting at is, I don't know if this was a guy who was forced to do it or what, but if he didn't. If he wasn't forced, and if he went in there and he admitted it himself, what do you mean forced? Forced to confess? No, I'm just saying, like, say he found out, like, say, it, like say your hunch is right. Hypothetically, hypothetically say some he gets caught in an affair. He gets caught in an affair. Hypothetically, what I'm we're saying just, we're just, is, if this guy came clean on his own, you think about like his level of calling, like to be able to do that, that level of humility, right, is awesome. Because I know that when I had some of my callings, like you know, I thought I was like I would never, like it was, it's part of the lie, man. You tell yourself. All right. Well, so. Here's why I thought this was great because um, you know what I'm trying to say is like I totally I think, know because that me, takes a level of humility. Let me, to let get me there. share this because this is what the impression early on of mine. Do you know what a Franklin planner is? Old school planner. Yeah. Do you know? Have you ever seen one? Yes. Of those? Yes. So, dude, these were on my mission. It's when I first experienced. These were it, man. You are not a good missionary if you weren't using a Franklin planner. I had to carry one of those weird planners. But you had you had the blue paper, the right? White one. Oh, okay, so you're way new generation. So. Yeah. The church actually okay. started publishing. So these ones we actually bought. Okay. So Franklin planners, Franklin Day planners, if you're over like 35 years old, you probably know what I'm talking about. Dude, everybody in the church had a Franklin planner. Had a Franklin. Oh, this right? is like a Mormon. Okay. Like oh, Mormons yeah, love this They're stuff. like day planners, right? And yep. they like nice leather. Okay. Well, Franklin Day planner merged with Stephen Covey. You know Stephen Covey yeah, is, right? the man. So Franklin Covey was this company. Dude, ginormous company. Dude, they dominated the business world. Like... Not only did every Mormon have one of these Franklin planners. Really? Covey was a part of that? Uh, yeah. So Franklin planner and then Covey and then they merged and formed a, a one company, like a powerhouse, huge company, right? And one of my favorite all all-time talks, I'll probably link it in the show notes. Because, <laughs> dude, one of my favorite all-time talks is by Hiram Smith, not Joseph's brother, but he was the president of Franklin planner. He oh, he, yeah. he had Franklin planner. And he like these talks he just i love the way he speaks he was a mission president in uh, ventura california and he was a motivational speaker he did you'd love these in fact if i haven't shared this one he talked he went to salt lake and was to fix all the quote druggies in salt lake and he put him through this whole thing like so he was early on that mm -hmm. dude this guy's the man right like multi-million like he's a celebrity friends with all the apostles right yeah excommunicated so I, he, he's on this, like, I'm... Huge pedestal worse, for you. I love this guy. Like, yeah. this guy, I'm listening to his talk tapes all the time. Oh, that's gnarly. And then, like, eight years after my mission, he gets excommunicated. Okay? But the rad How part about this... Oh, was it was it because he came clean. He... he in I'm going to link this article, but basically, he's like, I was living this double life. He was like, I... You know, I'm traveling the world, multi-million, public company. Like, you know, basically, the temptations of the world got to him. He's watching General Conference and he's watching his buddy, Elder Holland, speak. Like these buddies, he's buddies with all the Quorum of the Twelve, right? And he's hearing him speak about um, about repentance, right? And this is a quote in this article. And uh, Hiram Smith says, There was an overwhelming feeling that the only thing that mattered was my relationship with the Savior, not this public image, right? Finally coming to terms with his own mind and the magnitude of what he had done, he had a huge relief because he realized it meant he would have he wouldn't have to hide from himself or others anymore, and he went and confessed. 
Whoa. He get excommunicated. It's pretty intense. He Once quit. Again, like he quit guy. from being chairman of the board of the company because like. Whoa. And like and and very public. Then was rad. Then he went and read a book about it because he's like, you know what? You know how hard it is to be excommunicated, and you've got like all these judgment people, like just the whole culture of it, right? Yeah. And then he wrote a book about it. Wow. So I'm gonna link that book yeah, on there. He, book. The book is called Pain is that? Inevitable, Mis- Misery is Optional. Dude, I'm, why haven't you told me about this book before, man? I don't know. I'm buying it right now as we're talking. It's Keep on going. Amazon. I'm dude. going it's on like iTunes. It's $9.99 on Kindle, $10.99 on paperback. What's it called? Real quick. Wait, hold on. Hold on. By Hiram W. Smith. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Did you get that? that, that who? Wait. Okay. Hiram W. Smith. I'll send you the link. I know. I'm doing this right now. Hiram W. Smith. This is that important. This pain, is, you sold me. Pain is inevitable. Pain. Misery is optional. And... He, and on this, you know, one of the editorial reviews says Smith, who was excommunicated from the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints in 88, 1988, was rebaptized. Oh, this is way, but this is two years after I was born, man. So <laughs> I told you I'm old, dude. So old. Rebaptized in 2002. Tackle. inevitable. Hold on. I'm, I'm illiterate. I-N-E-V-I-T-A-B-L-E. Hiram, I'd love to talk to you, man. You're, uh, I, I don't know. I think you're awesome. Uh, he lives in Southern St. George. He's like, no, dude, I check guess. it out. He went to his brother-in-law, who is his bishop. Oh no, son-in-law. Even heart. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, the article. Ah. He immediately went to his son-in-law, who was his bishop, and told him he knew he needed to be excommunicated. So, like, dude, he just humbled himself down. But I think we're going to hear that from Andrew today. Like, we've heard it on a lot of our podcasts. He needs to get his book on iTunes, man. Oh yeah, he's not dude. This old old school, bro. Who cares, man? Book that good. Yeah. You sold me, man. Takes. But but it was like it was powerful to me because. What you're know, getting at is... I okay, know people that... Put it this way. When I got this fellowship, it was the same way, okay? So, like, my bishop didn't catch me. Like, he's not like, oh, I heard you were drinking or I heard you were doing drugs. I heard you were having sex with your girlfriend after your wet, your marriage. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, marriage after your mission. Like, you know, that's why you didn't get this fellowship. No, it was... I was trying to get sober. I was, I like, trying to stop. So, I get that. I was trying... I It came to a point... Because like, I went through the phase for about six months where I was like... Uh, we've already crossed this boundary. Might as well get married civilly. We're both endowed. We're we're both screwed. So we just need to figure it out. And we just like whatever. It'll be easy to get married and go that route, right? Because that's what a lot of people say. In fact, the guy later we talked about. But for for all of a sudden for me, what happened was it was like my relationship to God was so disciplined. Like it was so gone. It was so strong. Just three years prior, guys. Mm-hmm. That's how new I was. So I was out for my mission for a year. I'd been a member for six months before that, and now six months after. So three years. It's three years. I remember that because they even said you've only been a member for three years. Um, and uh, I remember going, I know God's real. Like there were so many thoughts, but one thing I was just like, I can't live like this anymore. Like I'd rather go there and just, if they, I was going to my bishop weekly, and finally he's like, okay, I talked to state president, you need to have this council. And like you said, for the soul of whatever, they're probably doing it too because they want to protect the church because of singles war and whatever, and mm-hmm. girls and whatever. And at first, that was, I took that as a lot of judgment, but it's okay. Because what I realized was, is when I sat down with the guy who greeted me from you know our stake before the council happened, first thing out of his mouth was, you're probably gonna be excommunicated today, and I just want you to prepare you for that. And the first thing that came to my mind was, see, this is all fake, walk out. How can they give a judgment before you've even heard your side, right? Because this person, by the way, I was dating, said some other stories about the truth, right? And maybe had her own truth. But what I'm getting at is, as soon as I heard that, I knew that they had sided with the person they knew. I'm a convert of only three years. No Mm -hmm. one knew me from Adam, right? They just knew I'm some convert. 
and they knew I was pretty wild or whatever. And um, the fact that he said that right when I walked up, I, this, the adversary in my mind was like, see, it's fake. This is all judgment, man. This is what they're all about. Which had never calmed my mind. That had never crossed my mind. I hadn't, you know what I mean? I had been proposed with anti-stuff, and that never fazed me once. And that was the first time I ever had doubt. And then I finally was like, you know what? No matter what, God knows the truth, and God knows your heart, and God knows that you are doing this for you, not for this guy to tell you that, not for their approval. You're doing this because I want to, that's the same reason why you joined the church. That's what's going on in my mind. There's a lot going on. I was 21, 23 years old, and I was like, my whole life now is Mormon, by the way. My whole yeah. family, my friends. Dude, I disowned everyone to be in this crew of Mormon people. And I'm thinking, dude, if they get excommunicated, like my whole life falling apart. And the this spirit, new life. This, this new, new life awesome that life. saved my life. That's the first thing that yeah. came. I was I'm going to lose everything that I love because of my decisions. Because of living this double life. Going to church Sunday. But I wasn't living a double life. I was telling the truth every week mm-hmm. to my bishop. But finally, it didn't work. So he's like, we got to try something else, right? This is saving the soul. Yeah, there you go. And so the, the spirit goes... If it's if it just trust me and go in there, God knows the truth. And if it's if you don't get it, if you uh, this was crazy, bro. This is kind of like I remember going in there thinking if I get excommunicated, I know it's not true. And if I go in there and I don't get excommunicated, um, then I know that uh, not excommunicated. It was more like it was more whatever the ju- like I just felt the judgment. And then I. I, anyways, three and a half hours later, it was a long meeting. It was in and out. They made me wait forever. And I came back in there, and the same guys who wanted to – we have certain guidelines and standards. Like you said, books, says certain things. And you do certain sins, and you do them enough, then okay. You, you, know, you know, there isn't actually a checklist. Yeah, there's not. I've, I've been in the council. Okay. Those are the three, the three reasons I said earlier. That's all it's said to us. Okay. Like, so these are the three criteria. Which makes sense. Okay, so those are the three So that's things. why I say generally speaking, if if you've been endowed and you've been to the temple and you're a return missionary and you've you've committed multiple adultery type things, yeah. generally speaking, yeah. there's going to be an excommunication there. But not always. I've yeah. seen... So I we go seen. in there. So we go in there. And um, after the three hour, after I told my story, which didn't have anything to do with my side, I just said, hey, this is the facts. Mm-hmm. I walked in there saying, look it. I know, I know, I knew everything I was doing was against the commandments because I, I explained to him like, like I was giving, I was given when I joined the church an added measure of understanding. I feel like I had extreme spiritual experiences and witnesses that everything was true because that's what the Lord knew I needed in my life for now all the stuff I've been through. It makes sense. You know what I mean? Because most people would bounce. And, uh, and uh, I had even members who had been excommunicated tell me, don't go in there. Some friends of mine that were younger that had left the church and we, after their excommunication, after their mission. And uh, they were trying to warn me not to go there. And so I still went. But then when they said that, you know, they just basically said, you know, you're not excommunicated, but that's not the whole point of the story. The point is, is that I felt they had said some words in there, uh, like, um, you know, basically like the Lord knows you and loves you and cares about you. And just like some, some feelings that were just like, it was like, okay, answers to your prayer. answers to my, I was, I was, that was a moment of darkness. I tell you, I haven't felt the adversary like that since I was investigating the church where it was in my like darkness, like pure darkness. Like I felt like not because of my sins, you mean but because before this council during, yeah. Nights leading up to this council, okay. like leading up to knowing this is going to happen on whatever day it is. Yeah. Um, thoughts where I was trying to pray and I like I'd hear the adversary in my mind tell me it's all fake and I never heard those words 
Okay, like I had never heard those words. I felt like I was in the Joe Smith movie where he's like, when he goes to pray and he's going to be crying. There was darkness in my room. I was having yeah. nightmares at night, like all spiritual, not just random nightmares. Nightmares. I'd go to say something and I couldn't speak. And I, I, I looked at those analogies and things when I look back on that, this moment, I think about it now, I feel like it was the, you know, it's the adversary, man. He wants to silence our, our humility and honesty. Yeah. That's why the step one's honesty, right? Later on, I know that like being honesty is what leads to this whole solution thing. And what I was trying to get at is that's why I commend that dude. If, if he's the one who came honest or whatever, the point is he's honest now. He obviously admitted I, it. And I, I think it, it sucks that that had that, sure. that, that he succumbed to but it like, right because we have this but program now we think if my, you, before you had this program would you think this way you know do you have be, any members be, any of your buddies or friends well look at this differently in the news today you know, i look at it differently because i have a couple things i've got I, no I i'm saying it do you know people that have like i'm sure there's next week yeah no i'm saying when this article went out oh i i know uh i've seen some reactions on That's social media yeah, that sure are like have, right? i didn't even know well, about this so now well, i look at it you know some of the reactions on on social media have been why would you publish this you know the family's gonna Makes be humiliated it's gonna make us look bad i feel bad for the family and, and i how do. do you look at it i look at it after as, everything you've seen with arp now this podcast like i look i i look at it as for, for a couple reasons this is not just some schmuck in the church he's a general authority He's spoken at general conference. He speaks for the church he on the church's behalf. He speaks for the church, right? He's a special witness. Yep. And so if someone like that gets excommunicated, that's that the public should know because, again, it protects the integrity of the church because – Which people, is what our, what our antagonists know, right? say we don't yeah. do, right? So this is good. And, and so and, and so I thought – I mean, that stinks that that's happened. Of course. But that's the right thing to do because I know, uh, you know, I've had uh, local – like in local memberships, right? Like I've, um, my parents are not active. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons is because I know a bishop can basically ha pitched an investment in the bishop's office to them that went sour, right? Yeah. Like completely yeah. not kosher, right? Yeah. Where to the attorney was like, yeah, you should sue the, my, his attorney's mm -hmm. like, yeah, that was inappropriate, yeah. right? Like, well, you know, fast forward to like, not, you know, hush, hush, you know? You know, we have business stuff that that gets hushed hush totally. in the church because we don't know we don't want to have this church leader look bad because other people they think they're awesome, and in my mind I'm like you could be an awesome person that falls that happens all how the many time. of the first witnesses like I don't have to get into the details the time, of the first right? witnesses of the church and, and so, apostles and so to, to not talk about I think like man you know what yeah that stake president fell here's why here's what led to that. So don't go down that path that he did. One of the, and there's a way back. The people that don't think that blow my mind. If you read the freaking Gospels, one of the 12 apostles, the yeah. original apostles, sat at the table the night before yeah. with the Savior and then sold him out the next day by kissing him on the cheek. Yeah. So if you think that like we're in a day where we're protected and these leaders are better than... The best thing about this program is that these people that we that we look up to as leaders, not worship, but look up to as leaders and guides, I know now that they are they have just they have surrendered a certain amount that they're living this life. But it could fall like that, and they're no better than me or you or they anyone need to else. Continue to surrender, exactly. Or they will, this will happen. Yeah, and this is that's why this is what happened to him. Exactly. That's what happened to Hiram Smith, the the guy who the, wrote that book. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool, man. So they're not better. I'm not better. Yeah, we're not. We're not better. More people. Yeah, we're not better because it didn't happen to us. It could happen to you and me. Like, that's, that's what we're right. trying to tell people. Like, when people, that's, that's what, when we yeah. go speak in these wards and we talk about this, oh, you're doing great things. I'm like, dude. For those people. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, so they don't have to get their hands dirty. But reality is, it's like, hey, dude, I'm just doing what, like, this is how I stay humble now. Because yeah. if not, then I go back to thinking like some other people do, right? Where I'm better than everyone else. And then guess what? I'm now susceptible to. Right. So I don't falling. think, I don't think I'm better than this guy. I think, of course not. in fact, I, I commend him for. Well, being that's what honest. I was trying to say. I like, when I see that, I'm like, dude, this guy's like, it, it, it'll be interesting to hear what comes out if anything does. But anyways, good. Yeah, I know what my, my, put it this way. You know what happened 12 months after I was disfellowship? What? The very next week after I got my membership back, I got sealed in the temple to my wife. So it was the best year. You know, it was a hard year. It was, it was ups and downs or whatever. And I felt definitely it was a challenge, well, but as, it made it all real. As Elder Ballard said, the desired result is that the person will make whatever changes are necessary to return fully and completely to be able to receive the marvelous blessings of the church. Amen. Period. And so, I'll tell you what, it's not easy to not sustain. You know, I remember that being one of the hardest things, not being able to, anyways, but yeah, good for him. So I. Hopefully this leads to a new life for him. And, and I hope it, what I do hope to, it gives what if courage. this guy's ARP meeting when he shows up, if he ever goes? Yeah, but dude, I think it gives hope to other people. Like, look, man, you got a quorum of the, you have a quorum of the what 70. What you're saying is like, hey. Got honest. You get off your butt, go in the bishop's office, stop get honest. that we're not a church of perfection. Right. Gosh, how many general authorities have to give talks on, on and right. conference about, this is not a rest home for the perfected. This is not a showroom. We are human. Are you preaching right now? Yes, I'm preaching. I've been preaching a lot tonight. I don't need to. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a great uh, Ask the Attic coming up. We're yeah. running out of That's time some good here. news. Um, and please listen to the end. Go to our social media. Help donate. Yeah. Help support the cast. We got about five more seconds till our theme music's coming. Okay. On. Well, yeah. Definitely listen to the end of the Asiatic. We talk all about it. We definitely need help. So, oh, there's the music. All right. We'll cap. Okay. Later. Jay, we traveled all the way to the Sunshine State. Is Arizona called Sunshine State? Uh, I think California is, but... What is Arizona called? You're a transplant there. You don't know. But <laughs> no, we're here no. with Andrew. All I know is it's freaking hot outside. Yeah, it's the hot state. Listen, Andrew? It's like almost hot in the AC. Like I can just feel the heat coming outside the window. Let Andrew introduce himself. Sorry, sorry. What's up? Hi, I'm Andrew, and I'm an addict. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Andrew. We're going to loosen Andrew up a little bit. We've got some beef sticks in front of us. Yeah, if you hear any munching in the background, it's me. I'm sorry. We just finished our ARP meeting and some water. That's or a tumbler. Get on my Yeti. Yeti. Yeti drink. So anyways, bear with us. But anyways, we're excited to have Andrew. We're excited. We've uh, we've talked over the phone. We hear your story. And yeah, so Brad, I'll let you take it from here. Andrew, um, we are on a podcast called The Next Step. And this is the section called Ask the Attic. So what brings you here? So um, I have an addiction to pornography and alcohol, although... Um, Loosen up a little bit. You're a little stiff. All you right. have to be on the mic, but I know <laughs> yeah. you can relax a little more. <clears throat> all right, so I have an addiction there we go. There to we go. Uh, alcohol and pornography, but I mean, al- pornography just hands down takes over any, I feel like, anything else. But I mean, we've even heard in the 
um, in a in a talk, right? Pornography doesn't even hold a candle, or cocaine doesn't even hold a candle to pornography, right? So, but, from your experience, the alcohol was a minor. Uh, it was still a, still a big pro, still a big draw. What, but compared comparison wise, the amount of uh, hours and just life that it took from me, just it was. There's no comparison. Okay. Just the depth of the just all the all the crap, right? That it, I went. When, through. when did you first uh, become exposed to pornography? So I was six years old. Six. Um, I was invited to a sleepover. Um, and down in the basement, uh, we're all just a bunch of boys. And one of the boys said, hey, check this out. Uh, found a video, probably, I don't know, his parents, and then popped in the VCR. What state was this in? Uh, this was in Utah. Utah. There's wow. pornography. I thought, hold I thought on. Utah was. <coughs> Actually, is it pornography illegal in Utah, or is it not anymore? Oh, they found a way. They found a way to get it, it in there. It was illegal for a long time. It was, right? <laughs> like, full-blown illegal. Like, you get, like, you. That's what I thought. Serving defense back in I the day. I didn't grow up there, but. I, Alcohol was at one point, right? Yeah, but it was on VHS. This is why we have a house rule of not letting sleepovers. In fact, last night my daughter did a sleepover at her friend's house. And my daughter is 18. And it was her first one. And I was a sleep early because I'm old, right, Jay? Yeah. And my, wa- and, and my wife saw it. I'm like, where's, where's, my, where's, what's her name? You know, my daughter. And she's like, oh, she slept over at so-and-so's house. I was like, gave her the eye roll. She's like, well, she is 18. And it, it's at the state president's house. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> so she's going to be at college in a couple weeks. So it's probably time to let her. But we do have a rule, though. And that's that confirms my rule. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even remember. I don't think this boy, this friend was a church member. I can't even remember. But, yeah, we were all down there. And six. And six years old. And he popped it oh, in there. Was he six, too? Yeah. We were all six years old. He popped it in there. And we are all just watching. And I had no idea. little rusty really. age, man what yep. I was watching, but um, immediately I just felt my body was just re- had a reaction to it. I just was drawn to it. Just We were all just sitting there and and uh, just totally mesmerized and just engaged in it. And, you know, I don't really remember much else than that. It was just, I, I believe that that's my first really exposure to that. And, like, when do you, uh, did it become a habitual thing? Like, when did you see more and more of it? <clears throat> or when did you seek it out? Um... I would say even it was just it became a like just an obsessive type of just looking for that weird stimulation that I could feel in my in my body. I was just responding to it. I mean, I remember I remember being um, eight years old, nine years old. Uh, I mean, my parents had a lot of rental properties and people. Is this, would, is this internet age? Was the internet around? No, no. Okay. Well, We're, no, I don't believe it was. But um, I'm trying to remember. No, at this point there wasn't. But my parents had a lot of. Uh, rental properties and a lot of times you know renters will just ditch out and leave and they'll just leave a lot of crap and I remember um, they'd have dirty magazines sometimes and I'd I'd look through those um, when no one was looking or just pretend like I wasn't because in my mind I knew that you know this this wasn't something I was supposed to be doing but I just couldn't I just couldn't but yet you're young enough where it's not being talked about like, exactly. That's like you're like not your talk, you're not talking to six and seven and eight year olds about pornography and things like that. Absolutely. At this point, it was just completely uh, solo. I mean, I was I was by myself. I, I just had to make sure I felt safe enough that it was always secretive, private, never could talk to my parents about it or, or my siblings or anyone around. Uh, and they had no idea. Right. Mm-hmm. And then so it was just this thing that at a very early age grew in secrecy and continued. And I just it just kept growing in the dark. Um, and you grew up as a member of the church, right? Absolutely. So yeah. when you're like, uh, when in the church, we start, Jay, like, I think uh, the for strength of youth, you know, we start talking to the youth about pornography and about things like that, probably around 12 years old, right? Like, they, 
I mean, that's from my memory. My son is about that age. And so it's it's something I don't think it's talked about in primary. But at about 12 years old is when it's the first time the leaders start talking. Why are you smiling? Because I think I was given a box of condoms when I was 12. <laughs> so not to get a girl pregnant. Yeah. Okay. A little bit different culture different. than growing up. A little different, man. I think I like walked into my stepdad tons of times. My bro- stepbrother I had like. By then, it was like full blown. Like internet was big. Like just started if, having if it. Everyone had that computer. If you're new to the podcast, Jay was a convert of the church he at didn't. about 18. He didn't. I was definitely <laughs> in with a, the in non-believers. A, a non-believing household. Right? No, yeah, no Bible, yeah. no scripture. So, anyways, way different. So, but anyways, so he was it's smiling. It's, it's, I'm uh, like I'm actually intrigued because like. Yeah, it's so, so it's, I'm telling different. you the culture. So you know when when Rusty gets at a certain point, like it's not going to get talked about in church till probably 12 years old. Like, hey. This is pornography. Stay away from it. Um, you've actually already and had at that, that time, you've already had that exposure. Oh, yeah. Way before that. So I'm curious, like, what is going through your mind? You're sitting in Deacon's Quorum, and they're like, hey. Yeah, when I first heard it, I just thought, like, what's um, – I have this crazy, terrible secret, and I'm the only person. Like, there's something there's something wrong with me that that I that I had this I had this secret, and I just felt like no one else – had had no one else was like me totally. right i was like the only one we're talking about this thing that i remember thinking that when i was a little kid even though i didn't have god in my life like the little things that i'd already seen and done as little like five six years old like lies and stuff yeah i remember thinking to myself that i was i was like bad or different you know yeah i felt like i was i was just bad i mean because my parents never talked about it ever we weren't really open and then all of a sudden i had this thing that i already knew i was hiding and I just I couldn't get it out. And, and is that because you heard it at church though? Like, would you hear? Because I'm wondering where I heard it. Yeah, because that's interesting. Because Jay, you Never you felt that that felt that, it naturally without being taught it. Oh, uh, the spirit basically withdrawing basically from you. Yes, but you didn't know what that was. I had no idea. Right. You similar felt- similarly too. I just I, I knew that it was bad. Right. Um, I remember being in in uh, moved to Hawaii for a little bit, and my friend had these pogs that were pornography pogs, and then I was like, "These are, are pogs, those bottle cap things." Yeah, <laughs> that, little, that, okay. I remember those in little the, cardboard, little yeah. And uh, my stepbrother got and, a couple and he, of the like, ones and, and he gave on me it. a couple of them. Yeah, and like, and it was like, "Here, you can have the," you yeah, know, it was like a secret, a yeah, secret little thing, and and I thought I was, I thought I was, something was wrong with me, and then I just because you were attracted to it. Because uh, you, I think that too is that why you felt but so just because I never talked about it and okay. I just it was a secret and I thought Thinking that you're the only this yeah. expectation that I always you know oh you know well enough not to do these things mm-hmm. and then yeah, Johnny's but, not gonna do this Johnny's good right Johnny's but our, then our yeah boy. but yeah at this point I was already <laughs> but yeah at this point I was already uh, you know I'd already been exposed to it um, so let's pause for quick what advice would you have if you're like a church leader. Um, to some 12-year-olds, like if you're a bishop, we have some of these leaders that listen to us. And how, how would you ex- get them to draw that out, to be able to come for like, hey, if you've been exposed, I mean, you want to come talk to the bishop? Like, I have no idea. Like, are we just talking to Russ? My son's six, and we, he's already had an experience with his friends. We were at the beach, yeah. but, we were, and they found a pornography magazine, didn't tell anyone until three days later, and there was a group of 12 of them. And finally, one of the older kids told the mom, and then told us and blah, 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 and got around to the parents. But I went to my son, who's six, and he lied right to my face. Like, lied to my face. Yeah. Like, over, like, he had, how does he know that he'd get in trouble for that? Like, you know what I mean? It proves that there's a spirit in us that knows what's right and wrong right off the bat because he hid what was he thought was wrong, even though he had seen it. And but, he didn't even, yeah. But powerful that you got him, You he talked about it, so you were able to address it. But it, t- it took literally yeah. two hours of driving, like, back and forth. 
I think th- and I think that's what it is. I think you hit on a key point there. As a little kid, you're afraid to get in trouble. Yeah. And so you already know that you have this weird feeling that you did something that maybe you shouldn't have done or that yep. spirit, right? We were all yeah. sensitive to that as kids. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're just, you're afraid to get in trouble. I don't want mom and dad to be mad at me, right? It's a good point, and that just That just grows and grows. Um, so what were you saying? What would you? So I was impressed uh, when we lived in, in Florida. I remember our, our bishop did a really great thing and he, he addressed and he said, you got to start talking to your kids at seven and eight, you know? Um, and then I, I agree with that. We need to talk earlier. Earlier. So in church culture, in the church building, it's probably 12, but Fan, it needs to start talking about We've even families. had that when we're going to go talk to wards. They're like, oh, we don't want the youth in it. Right. We don't want the youth hearing about ARP. Yeah. This, we don't know. know about addiction. I, it's just doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, happen. I've, I've just having, uh, I think the council would be the more you talk to your kids openly about it at an earlier age, then. And let them know, hey, come talk to us if you see it. There's that one church video talk about how to talk to kids about pornography, and it's like it's not wrong to maybe we should say like sorry, it's not wrong to see it or like to accidentally see it. It's wrong you, to not talk no, about here's it. Here's the deal: right? you right. will see it. Yeah. So how about when you see it, come talk to me? because you're gonna good, see it. Yeah. yeah. You know, in my I'm so old, like you maybe not exposed. I'm trying to think. Of my earliest is probably my grandpa had uh, he had these uh, he had like a bar in his upstairs. Was he a heathen? Yeah, <laughs> he was a uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the adjective, but he was not yeah. a member of the church. He's he then? He's one of us. Okay. If you, if you self-identify as that. No. Um, Absolutely. But he had these bu- cups that the girls had, like, bikinis on, oh, I think. Yeah. And you pour cold liquid cups? in. I can't. I, I can't. I think they yeah, were tall. Okay. But, like, their clothes came off. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> oh, as it got colder? <laughs> yeah, when you pour oh, okay. a drink in it. So that I was, like, thinking that was funny. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, that's, like, rare. These, like, rare times where, like, the generation now, like you will see it. If you have social media, if your period, kid has no, an Instagram, it doesn't matter. They're going to see it. Period. But especially if you have an Instagram account. Definitely. Yeah. Your kids have Instagram. So when you see it, then you're going to come talk to us. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely something I try to do with, like my kids at a young age now. Like I, I know the answer is going to be no. Like I ask them about drugs or pornography, and then they'll just look at me like, what, huh? But the fact that I just, just like you, I wish that I wish so hard that you know, wish so bad that someone would have just started talking to me earlier. So and I'm why is that comfortable? Because then I wouldn't have been felt unique. So what happened next? So like, did I mean, did you just see it those few times? I mean, you talked about, I think where we were, if we were to go back, you're looking through your parents' uh, rental properties and you see it. Like, then does it go from there? Like, how old are you? Yeah, how, I, I, think the, I think the internet, um, I, I don't remember. I think it was like nine or ten years old. I think it was around that time when, um, you know, internet became more accessible. And my parents were, uh, you know, I think all, this, there's this generation, right, where our parents don't know how to, utilize the technology or really check yeah. on anything and and so yeah, i was like the only one no in the idea. house that really could get in there and i i was able to just start browsing for stuff and that's that's you're, when i started you're looking the on first generation and the me kids and now are, me and andrew are like the first yeah. generation where kids we're, we're the, ra- the way of parenting is completely different <clears throat> oh yeah yeah you hit the parent totally different today if you're trying to parent like your parents did you're out of the vault, like which the done. crazy part is that the default, like that's all these self-help books and parenting books. The default is always to teach how you were taught, right? But the right. world, even though it didn't work, yeah, complete, no, you have to. That's uh, we're having these podcasts. So go on. So you get the internet. You're the only one now. You're figuring out how to search it. And now, is this go on? Have you talked to your bishop at this point? Have you ever talked to your bishop? How no, not yet. I think um, it was just it was something I seeked out, right? And then. Um, but by this time, as you get older, you've probably had these I talks, started, right? I started, I don't even, I don't even, I can't even remember when the first talk was. I think it was around 12, yeah. right? 
and then it was when I opened up this for strength of youth. I remember reading it, and then it's like the spirit always told me the things I was doing was wrong, right? Because right away you read that pamphlet, <clears throat> but then I read it. And I read the I read you know right there in, in words, and it just hit me as like oh, oh just confirmed crap. right there. It's like oh, I knew it was, and it's like I wish I wouldn't have read that because yeah. then I could have just been like. I knew what I was doing was Isn't wrong. That the attic brain, though, like rather than just admit it and like get it over with and figure it out, we go, "Oh, I wish I wouldn't read that, so I can keep doing." <laughs> I wish it. I didn't know. I, I, absolutely, that was my mindset. I was like, "Oh man, now now I know for you know it's been confirmed to me because I was just trying to just pretend like I was ignorant or just that I didn't know, right? But mm-hmm. I did know, and the spirit was always telling me that it was wrong. Right? Everything I was doing was wrong. So. All right. Well, fast forward. Do you serve a mission? I did not serve a mission. So okay. I mean, we can was, even t- take a take a little bit. Um, backtrack i mean so i think the first time i i told the the bishop i mean even then at a young age i was still did not know how to just be honest and come clean it was always just um yeah i i remember i, I think i was 14 and i was like yeah i remember uh, disclosing that oh i had seen this magazine right just a little bit of these tiny truths just put my foot out there and then see how that reaction was and then kind of you know, test the waters and then feel like, okay, well, yeah, we talked about that, then walk away and be like, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. And the rest of the stuff probably is equal. So I can just resolve, absolve that on my own and skip the full confession. I just, I didn't understand that. I couldn't do it. And it was all because I was just so afraid to do it. I just, I don't, I don't know what I was afraid of. I, I didn't, it was just, I was going to be found out or kicked out. I, I just, as a young brain, I just, I couldn't comprehend the consequence. I just, I, it just goes like the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. I don't, I couldn't handle it. Um, and so, is, uh, why didn't you serve a mission? Were you, was it just not? Were you go to school? Did you just say it wasn't for me? Where is it? So I, I had some, uh, so I had some um, uh, sexual transgressions uh, okay. after after high school. So um, porn had progressed a little bit. Uh, absolutely right. Okay. And then so um, I think we've heard before on the podcast that. Um, yeah, you, you try and stay away from it, but then you have friends that are viewing it, and then you have to pretend like, oh, I'm not as bad as them. It just It's constant denial in, in your mind. But okay. what it ultimately leads to is, yeah, it, it just progresses. It progresses on. So are you, you, are you that first generation where they raised the bar for missionary service, and you weren't able to go? I was trying to go. Okay. Uh, so I was, I remember you know being, I mean, like they, in, in my <coughs> generation, right if joined. you fornicated, it happened like 2004 when they raised the, yeah, that talk was given and I joined yeah. the church. That I remember hearing that talk. Yeah. And then it was I, right. I know people that weren't able to go or they had to wait a significant period of time because of transgression where earlier generations. Yeah. That was right at that time. Okay. They probably yeah. just asked you once. Cause I got asked like seven times. Luckily I confessed everything, but they literally asked me every interview. Have you been looking at porn? I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, have you confessed it? Then it was just right there at the cusp. Because yeah. I remember, I remember hearing that talk. I remember raising the bar, and then I remember um, that was that was right when I was um, wanted getting set up to apply, okay, right, and send in my papers. Yeah. Ultimately, I didn't, um, just because my my uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my spouse, right. But anyway, um, we were struggling, right. And then we had a period of time where we were like, okay, we're gonna clean up. We're gonna um, we're trying to break up or just keep distance from each other and be good. Um, but ultimately, just mess. We just uh, just kept messing up. Okay. And then ultimately, just um, didn't serve a mission. Okay. Did you guys get engaged right away? Because you said your wife now. <clears throat> um. So yeah, it led to us being uh, pregnant before we married. Okay. Right? And then that's why we ultimately got married so quickly. It was it was always in the plan, right? Or we always we always talked about it. We always thought, right. you know, I can go on a mission, come back, and we'll continue on. But yeah. um, you know, we we 
kept on trying to fight it, and then well, that you're fulfilling your duties. Like you get, yeah. you get like you, you realize like most people in our generation, when they get someone pregnant, they just bounce. My dad bounced. You know what I mean? Let alone like in our times now, 2017. Like when they get pregnant with their girlfriend in the church, outside of the church, people just. You know what I mean? They don't know how to deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and then that didn't even cross my mind. Like, I didn't even think, oh well, I'm, I don't have to do this, right? And yeah. I mean, I loved, I loved my, my spouse, right? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's ultimately that happened, and then obviously can't continue to have periods of probation, right? And it's just right. it's like, okay, well, we're gonna get married, and then okay, no mission, okay. Then when you got married, the pornography stopped, right? Because you're able to have sexual relations with your wife, of course, and yeah, so, so like, easy, yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it was, that's what it was everyone good. thinks, dude. That's, that's what I thought. That's, I'm like, oh. that's what every 15 year old or 16 year old probably every thinks. member thinks it's gonna stop. Right. Once you have it, then you don't yeah. need to look for it anywhere. Um, yeah, that's uh, I. It's interesting because you think back, and there were periods of that was when I was, you know, had those periods of sobriety because I, I was happy, and then I did have that, you know, immense duty because we did get married civilly, and then we worked really hard, and we got to the temple, and then afterward, that was a great period in our life where I really, really. Um, clean, I guess cleaned up, but I mean, it, it, we didn't really get to the root of anything. I didn't really ever get fully honest. It just, it was just, it was doomed to fail. You just stop. You just white knuckle, they call right. I, at that point, I didn't feel like it was. Did but you feel like you're? Yeah, um, did you feel like you're white knuckling, or was it just like cool? Like I'm doing the, the right thing. I'm married and no, I, living absolutely. in a lot of chastity because we're married and absolutely. It's 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 your brains change. You're fighting this thing, and if you don't fully clean it out and resolve it. I mean, yeah, there were periods of time where I was just, it was that whole battle where you were best described as white knuckling where like, okay. you know, you're not supposed to do it. You're trying as hard as you can you're, that you don't want to. And, and, and you just keep, you know, and I, I don't remember, uh, when I started getting back into it, it must've been, you know, after I started finishing up school, right. Okay. University. But I mean, I just remember the first few years, I, I, I was just working so hard being, you know, working, started to get to the temple. And of course doing the dailies, like we were talking about in the program, right. It was, I was actually doing the good things, but, the, but everything that the program talks about just from step one, all, everything from the past, right. All those things just were still bottled up, built up inside. It was just living with the secrecy. It will, it will never go away. You can't be free from those things until you get those things out. You're as sick as your darkest secrets, right? Sick your deepest secrets. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so, so fast forward. So how do you end up in a meeting? Like, how do you end up on a podcast? Like, give us from where we're at now, where you're married, you're in kids, you're going to college. Cause you have a few kids, right? Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. I've got four. Okay. So, so give us, how do you get to here? Yeah. So so it's it's just constantly, I I would say it's been a 12 year battle. I'll, I'll include just our whole marriage of of white knuckling it. I mean, I talked about how in the beginning it was easier because I was close to the spirit, but over time as kids came and going through, um, undergrad and then grad school and just, it was just, Andrew's super smart, sobriety. by the way, no. just in case you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you do? Well, you're, yeah. He's, he's pretty, he's pretty dang smart. He's like a but, but, uh, physicist or something. <laughs> something that we can't even pronounce. We can't even pronounce. But he's got just, a lot of patents in his name. But anyways, it was, it was periods of, of sobriety. Right. And, but I mean, when I say that, I say that loosely because I used to always be justifying I, I, or I would justify everything myself. It was just, even from a young age, right. It was always, Oh, that's not that bad. Or, Oh, I didn't mean to look at it. Or just, I, I don't know. I'd always convince myself that, um, it wasn't as bad as it really was, or I was okay. I was exempt from whatever was going on, right? Oh, that you'd see that in a radar movie anyway, or oh, I didn't actually masturbate from that, right? Or I didn't actually get to. Right? There was always worse. Like I didn't cross this weird yeah. border. This that you this, invented in your mind. That I invented myself, right? And so I was okay, right? 
Um, so it was. So it was. What 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 is the border? Let's clarify. Like, what is the line that's drawn in the sand? That I, I guess the line is. Um, I guess the line was when you when you would act out and you you'd be viewing it and then uh, so maybe for so when we're if we're consciously viewing pornography, which is sexual uh, content, I guess. Right. Because we're gonna expose to it, like. Right, that's not drawing. That's not crossing the line. That's right? not like. I'm but you're intentionally seeking intention out. Seeking out. Right, and then um, it. I, we always talk about this. Like it's a dosage thing. Like, oh, if, if I can keep it under con, under a certain amount of consumption, you've heard me, yeah, you've right? Heard me talk then, about that on the then drugs, I'm right? then I'm in control, right? Yeah. But if okay. it's oh, I've spent this too much time doing this, and then it leads to you know masturbating, and then and then then you're kicking yourself. You're like, what what happened? What did I what did I do? Why did I do that? And then all of a sudden you're back on this kick. You're like, okay, never again white knuckle it, you know, or just, it just like builds and, up again. And that was a 12 year cycle approximately. Yeah. I mean, it? in okay. between times, I mean, it was, you know, three months, six months, one month. I mean, it just, it was so random. It was never a good, good, just span. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there were, there were good, good spans through there, but I mean, ultimately looking back, it was never a win just cause what I, what I know now and how and, I feel now. And you mentioned earlier drinking, when did that kick back in right so i mean that was just all part Did of the justification when you were in high school or anything no no actually i didn't it wasn't until we um, had someone else remember who did we have we had a uh, john on no the no the oh, uh someone else had uh l l sober i uh, see lds oh, yeah. girl in recovery didn't start drinking until she was in her 30s as young women's president yeah. like she had been her whole high like school years all, yeah i mean i was just huh? on the outside i was just perfectly just doing everything Peter right, Priesthood. right? Peter Priesthood, give me as many callings as you can because I'm serving my ward Ephron and everyone as, right, exactly, as as many people as I can. Andrew and the other. People okay, would yeah. go, like I was the go-to person in the ward, just like, and oh, they knew I the could every and, single time. I was okay. just doing everything I was supposed to do on the outside, right? And then so including ward wisdom. But there's this 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 little thing that Wait, I- So you never broke the, never drank or anything? No, okay. no, I didn't, not until, um, not until I got onto, uh, I guess, my second job and then i just i was later in your 20s later in my kids 20s. already yeah i already had kids. i had multiple kids and then i was just on a business trip and just with with one other co-worker started with just that and then it's just where i justified my mind like well you know people you know i know I a lot of people that i know a lot of people say okay i need my mormon coffee right i need my this and this you know and, and yeah, i just started to say well what's what's, what's mormon, worse what's, what's mor worse mormon right coffee like the, oh, okay these people are getting <laughs> loaded up on tons of sugar tons yeah. of caffeine you know six seven cokes a day and then and they're getting like healthy dude, they're getting so. withdrawals exactly. you know they're saying yeah. you know and they're just like i'm, I'm in my yeah. mind i was like there's there's this is worse right yeah mm -hmm. i'm like so what's just a little bit of wine right i'm gonna try this just what's a little bit of this gonna do like this is nothing compared to that right and it real like when you look at the health benefits, two glasses of wine, like versus a liter of, of diet oh, coke, coke day, yeah, right, of high fructose corn Mormons syrup, have, yeah, 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 which they really Terrible. do, like, yeah, it's one is way healthier than the other, but one one leads to something completely different, right? Right, all right. I mean, and even go b before that. I mean, so even before hey, do you that, always fantasize like uh, like watching movies. I think a lot of my non-member Brad's even talked about. You know, he's obviously never drank or anything, but like for me, I remember at my youngest age, fantasizing about drinking. I couldn't wait till I was old enough to really drink because, like, in the movies. They make alcohol, right? TV. They make it look so fun. Like I think I so think that was part of it. I mean, it's interesting because I talked to my wife about it, and she so she had direct exposure. Like she went to these parties, she saw she had siblings that were in it, and so she saw the stupidity of it, and she's like, "This is stupid. I'm never gonna do that." Right? She, she saw had the negative like side. The negative. That's like Brad. Brad. Yeah, That's for me, like my my group of friends and just my my bubble, and then I had kids early on, and I was just 
I I didn't You're I had that curiosity right and then all I saw was, you know, my coworkers that would always talk about, you know, the crazy things or how much fun they had and it just and then like you said in media, so it wasn't like I fantasized about it, I, but I was curious and I, I didn't think it was so bad. I, I my opinion is I think a lot of members of the church that grew up in a very LDS community, they don't see the negatives. Because it's hidden, it's not talked about. Like where, you know, where Andrew's a little unique is that what you're saying is because he he started to work. He he, he I, you know we talked before the podcast started, so I know a little bit more about your life. But it's you you said that you know your your job tra- involved traveling, right? Oh yeah. So so I think imagine traveling. I'm only traveled a little bit, but when when I'm away for four days, away from my family, especially being an addict in recovery back in the day, may have not have affected me, but who I am today and whether it's the adversaries really working or not. But when I'm separated from this normal routine, my brain can really just get like, you know what I mean? It's easy to go. Where's the line? Because you don't have the line. Yeah. Maybe not for everyone, but for those of us who are addicts, the line disappears like that. Well, like, I don't go, well, what's normal? What's not right. And you hang out with a lot of non-members at work. But my point is the fantasy, the fantasizing, like, if you're not, ex- your wife was exposed to seeing the negatives of it. Right. Like uh, I posted on our Facebook page about Kelly Slater, 11-time yeah, world champion. He grew up with his dad an alcoholic, and he's like, I didn't want to, everything I associated with drinking and drugs was, was negative. Negative. And so that kept him away from it. Yep. But I think a lot of members of the church that may grew up in, you know, parts of Arizona or Utah, they don't, they're not exposed to it. Like we don't, really ARP is parents. hidden in the back room of the church. Yep. We don't, we're not supposed or not to talk about it or, or don't even have it back yeah. then. Yeah. And so they don't even see the negatives. They just see the, the, the glor- glory side of it. Um, so maybe that's your perspective was different than your wife's. Yeah. I mean, maybe, Growing maybe up? it yeah, was, I don't, know. Uh, I, don't know. I, I don't know. Looking back, I think it was a desire just to fit in. I think okay. since Did I don't feel that peer pressure, <clears throat> like fitting in. Yeah. But, but what was interesting was, see, I, I, I mean, I'd been in the group dinners and everything. I remember when I first started on, I was like, no, you know, I don't drink this is who I am. This is why, you know, and, at, at a group. Right. But then all of a sudden when it was just picked down and it was just me and just this other person. Right. Then okay. all of a sudden that's when I started to, to give a little bit. Right. Gotcha. And then, so yeah, of course traveled a lot and then it just, um, just rapidly progressed from there. I found just myself justifying all the time saying, this isn't as bad. This isn't as bad. Um, because I was so withdrawn from the spirit already from this pornography problem. Yeah, there you right? go. So it was easy. Okay. Th- that, that was, yeah. yeah, that was already, that was just, that. that's ultimately why. It was because I was already removed from the spirit. Um, I didn't have those safeguards in place. And so already the justification, my mind was already you set. You were used to justifying. I was adding an ad- 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 addict mind, right? Yeah. And then so now it was so easy to just step into something else. Totally. And this, and they, they said that in the steps, right, Brad? They talk about, I'm sure you read even as someone who doesn't suffer addiction, you've heard of these steps every other week, right, or every week. And one of them says, you know, um, we, addictions can transfer, right? Like you, right. Yeah, you, you start off one, one you quit that, it goes to another, or you stick with that and you just keep adding addictions. Right. right? Last week we had Ask the Normie. That's right. And I was thinking now the one thing I think is different than you is I tell my kids, like, I never try something that I don't want to do long-term. Like, I don't want to eat snails long-term. I don't want to be a snail eater. So I'm not even going to try them. Like, you can put snails around me. I'm like, I don't want to be a guy to eat snails. So I'm not going to try it. That's why I'm picky on my food. I'm like, I don't want to eat that food. Just for your listen, like, those of you listening, <laughs> side note, Brad's the pickiest eater ever. And he's the most critical after he eats it. Oh, it wasn't that good. Oh, what is that? And he picks everything apart. It's because when I do something, I want to do yeah. it long-term. Like, why yeah. not? Okay. So that's why... So now you're you're so you you've now you've now gone from a porn addiction that's lasted years. Now you're into right, but you're like you have a lot on your plate. You have kids. You're traveling. Your business. 
now you're now you social pressure, right? Because people think social pressure leaves when you get older. Right. I'm sorry. No more peer pressure. If when, your yeah. work or even that wife that stay home in the Mormon world, right? There's pressure with their friends. Right. We, we hear we've we've met and interviewed um, women that have that social pressure as well to fit in, and it becomes too much, so they turn to drugs or alcohol or pornography or sex, right? Yeah. So so now you have all this pressure. You guarantee you're starting to feel guilty a little bit, right? Oh, absolutely. And it goes away. It goes in waves, right? But and so get to how you end up at your first meeting. Like I mean, you said you've been to meetings. Yeah. So we can get there. Fast forward really fast. I mean, that alcohol progressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, then then it, it it just started dabbling, and then all of a sudden I started finding myself going out. With the groups of people, and then with the intention out. to drink, right? Before all of a sudden, before it was just exploratory, and I was like, "Oh!" And then yeah. I was like, "Oh, I don't have a problem. Maybe if I just try this, and then try this." And I was just, "Oh, it's all for my experience. I just want to educate myself, right?" But then it quickly went into. I found myself. It was very quickly. I found a way to just numb out and just to escape and just to find uh, what I thought right? was yeah. I was like, "Well, this is great. I don't have to. I just feel." A relief. I just feel free. I just feel like I don't have to think Only about anything. The pressure of life. Right. Right? Like the pressure. It's like one. I'm fitting in. I don't have to think of anything, and I just, I my my brain just feels like I'm just I I feel numb. nothing. I feel numb. I feel nothing. I can just laugh and feel nothing and just be. And it was just. And it was harmless at first. It was harmless at first. You're right. But then it progressed, right? Because at first I was like, well, this is only when I'm traveling. When I traveled a lot, right? And so, and then <laughs> only when I'm traveling, but <laughs> right. I traveled. <laughs> but, but then, okay. but then it progressed. That's what happens, though, but right? then it progressed. It wasn't just. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't just you know only at dinners all of a sudden it was like oh as soon as i as soon as i get to the because at home nothing right because it was just double life but so as soon as i hit plane. the as soon as i hit the airport Boom, right yeah. the airport right, right it wasn't bar. even a couple of beers it was like straight to you know, give me some whiskey right and then it was just it was crazy and i was like what am i doing oh i just need to loosen up for the flight because i got i have a long flight it's gonna be you know overseas and i just need to sleep right this is yeah. all these stupid justifications and then i knew oh, I was, i've had them I'm I'm stupid. but then i know exactly what you're saying but then it just and then I remember the first time I got confronted, this was um, that I remember talking to Bishop about it. And again, I just kind of did you get confronted or did you confess the no, no. So I um, no, I, I did. I was asked in, a, in an interview about okay. the word of wisdom and um, different than a temple recommend interview. Right. It was different. Okay. Yeah. It was for a, a calling. Extended a calling. Okay. And then but they asked you specifically about alcohol. Th- well, yeah. They asked me about word of wisdom. OK. Uh, I'm like, I, I don't know what they were probably prompted to. Yeah. Right. And, and then, of course, all I said was that one experience where one I tried the wine, right? But at that, that point, I had maybe gone out one or two times. I, I can't remember. But then I just wanted to just say, admit that I did something wrong, Try but not the full. Relieve some of the guilt. Relieve some of that guilt. Just get what I wanted. Because we're all just, as an addict, you're just a manipulator. You're just going to do what you want to get what you want. And what I wanted at that moment was to put on a face that I was an honest person and humble enough to come forward with my confession, my weaknesses, but then leave and then just feel like, okay, the rest of it is not so bad because that wasn't so bad and the rest of it I can handle on my own, right? And that just set the pattern. That pattern obviously was established long ago, long ago, and just continued that. Um, And then so, and just to kind of sidetrack, my wife had had no clue of any of this. This whole time. I was so good at just living this double life and the double life just got worse and worse. And so um, we moved a lot. Right. I, I move my family a lot. And I think that's part of what we talk about too, the addict mind. I, Did you I do was, that on purpose? Or no, it was, was like it this work related. Or was it like we I mean it was it was work related. I want related. a fresh start, so I want to move. Was that a it was work related, but I feel like maybe subconsciously, um I, of course I looked for an excuse to move around. It was it was we moved around for work, right? Okay. But I think I was always looking for something else to just to flee. Like I think as just an addict mind, you're just always trying to run, run away, run away, run away from. Like was part of it, I want to go to this new place because maybe I'll put this behind me. When we came here, um, 
Arizona. To, to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I came to my, uh, where, where we're living now, yeah, that was absolutely one of the one of the thoughts that came to my mind is, oh, when we move, then I get a fresh start. I'm gonna just start over and be good right when we get there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I mean, previously moving around a lot, it was always because I was so discontent with life. Right? I was so discontent with myself. I didn't have ultimately didn't have love you moved for myself. To your happy place. And then so the grass is always green on the other, on the other side, right? So it's just like, circumstances. Oh. If I change my circumstances inwardly, I'll feel better. Right, right. But they don't respect me enough. They don't value me enough. Yeah. Someone else will recognize me more. I'll get recognized more. I'll move up more. I'll, I can work harder for is, someone else. Is this know. within employment or church or everything? Um, I think mostly employment. Okay. Yeah. But all this, I, I just kept kept a face on for at home and at church. And like, okay. oh no, I'm good. I can handle everything on my plate. Okay. And everything on my plate. But just the amount of investment and time and effort it takes to hide this double life is just it's insane like so i could have learned like 10 languages and all the time like going through grad school i, I remember i just couldn't even study a lot of times because just my mind was just i couldn't focus a lot of a lot of times i just when did all these i got add all the time the addicts are like the gnarliest forms of add yeah i don't even know how i got through like i, I got good grades but it's just i don't, I don't know I just, show, yeah anyways it just shows that acts are intelligent but anyways yeah like to be able to handle that most people can't like would collapse with one shit little thing of guilt most people right. do right so Anyways. I'm picturing you're just juggling all these things, like absolutely. So when just did building, it, when did it fall building, down? and building, and building, did, and then yeah. so um, it wasn't until last year, right? And it just it, it kept on. Well, it was a, a little bit over a year ago. So moved out here for my job, and it was Good old uh, very Mike, quickly Arizona man uh, Gilbert, <laughs> and uh, just very quickly um, stress just just the the work became unmanageable. Uh, they moved me around, and things at work were just. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I was working, you know. They put put us in a box and said, "Oh, this is a sprint, right?" And they just as long as they give you breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? It's <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's okay for an employer. Just oh, and they they, they commend you for your your great self motivation and your service, right? It's like oh wow, but no, we were. Did they use the startup life? Uh, the startup absolutely. Life? Yeah, like, and, and yeah, yeah. So yeah. we moved out here, startup, and everything and built up. But it was so stressful on me. I, I hated my manager. I had a lot of. Um, just resentments all around and I just it, it became so unmanageable I hated everything and then started really acting out and turning into um, turning my addictions and um, home life suffered right and so it's just this is where it just started to just cascade down right so I'm balancing this and my my crazy mind right so I'm disconnected at home I'm being rude to my kids my wife you know physically or not well yeah verbally and and I was I was I was physically um uh, discipline, you know, in my mind, I was disciplining, but it was just, it was terrible, right? And then all of a sudden, oh, I can feel my wife just kind of like disconnecting from me and falling out of love with me. And still just traveling being, a lot at this point? Still traveling a lot. Yeah. And then I was just like, well, why don't you appreciate me? You know, why don't you just, all these yeah. stupid things in my mind, just like, uh, just putting expectations out for everyone else and just holding all these grudges. And then it just rapidly got to a point where, um, where I, I don't know, all of a sudden I found myself, I had been drinking a lot and then I was, at um, home now? No, this traveling. is this, so traveling. Uh, the the reason I'm here is just I just I just kept on fighting or there's a point where I stopped fighting um, the addiction. I was white knuckling, white knuckling, and I was like, you know what? I'm just, just a terrible person. It. I just whatever. I, I'm just embrace it. I'm just gonna. I travel so much, and when I'm gone, I'm just gonna do whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then so ultimately, what it led to is where I got to a point. I I didn't think this would ever happen, but I ended up um, drinking a lot one night, and I was on. Um, a dating app and then I, I found someone and then it ended up being unfaithful to my wife okay. and I just at that point I remember um, looking at my looking at myself in the mirror and just and just I couldn't couldn't I didn't recognize who that was I just I couldn't I had that moment where I was like what I, I just I couldn't how did I get here how, yeah how did I get here what happened how did I how did I get here you know 
<clears throat> and at that point, you know, the, the lies and everything came in just, well, now you're here and you're even further now and there is no turning back. This is, yeah, this is going to be take so great. I, now I have to take this to the grave, right? Everything that I, that I had church, before. This is like, like, this is like, you're unfaithful just for you listening. If you're not a member, uh, when you're unfaithful in the church, like it can be pretty serious as far, you know, a lot of. Right. Not a lot of couples make it. You know, it happens right. a lot outside the church, unfortunately, but couples can somehow pull it together or they just divorce. But in the church, it's very strong uh, that you stick together no matter what. It's eternal marriage type thing. And so, like, I, I get what you're saying where you think your, your mind immediately goes to how do I survive this mistake? And it's, well, I'll just take this to the one to the grave. Absolutely. I'm already there now, so now what? Well, the sad thing is, I mean, it was already, well, the pornography, I can take that to the grave. Also, oh, the alcohol, I can take that to the grave, right? How, yeah. if I ever, How much if can I you take ever, to the grave? Right, yeah. if I ever tell, if I ever tell or come clean with that, then it's over, right? And all of a sudden, I'm at this whole new bar. Uh, I'm like, if I, couldn't even, if I couldn't even talk about that before, and I already imagined the worst case scenario, I'm at this point now that now there is no, absolutely no turning back. Because I was convinced, like, oh, if my wife knew I was drinking or, or looking at pornography, she, she would be out. The, she'd be out the door. Huh. And then all of a sudden, I'm at this point. I'm like, where? How? How did now I what? get here? Now, yeah. now what? Now what do I do? So what do you do? So what did you do? So I, I hit it, and I, I uh, just kept living it, or did you I just keep kept, doing I kept that? living it, and uh, just kept. And at, at home, of course, it suffered. But because in my mind, I was, I was going crazy. I was trying to balance everything. This double life, kind of trying to keep all these things a secret. Um, and it was it was hell. It was it was the worst. Yeah, it was the worst. I re- on the I outside, was it awesome? Did people think like, oh, this is like model couple? Like your Instagram account looked awesome, and of course, Facebook everyone always, like everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, you guys are the cutest couple. You guys are awesome, you know, and uh, you're just so good for each other. And and uh, it was just, uh, yeah, of course. And I was going so to from church, the outside, it was going just to church, perfect. doing my callings, you know. And then um, it was it was the epitome of a double life i was someone completely different um and i, I didn't know who i was um and and i just i wanted to get out of it and I, I couldn't i just it was at that point where i realized i just um i'd already told myself like okay i i'm an addict and i have this problem you, you even you said yourself <clears throat> i'm an addict right like, okay right like i i had admitted myself to myself that i was uh, before, like, okay. I think when we fir- when I first moved out here and I started getting to it, I'm like, okay, this is beyond. This is this really is a problem, right? But it wasn't until you know I was I was in this, I was hiding this thing, um, and I just I didn't know how to get out. Um, I didn't know how to get out of it. I, but I remember um, I, I shared this tonight. I remember waking up so many times and looking in the mirror, and just just thinking to myself, I'd rather just I should just kill myself right now because at least my wife would have this other would at least have in her mind this picture of this other person and be spared all the all the pain of who I really am and who I really was and it would just devastate her and destroy destroy her um and I thought it'd be better off that way um but then you know that's when that's when I got this the the spirit told me you know because I just I was unlovable and they just I had that prompting that you know savior still I still love you and and you just need to let me help you and I couldn't I couldn't let him in because I had been running for so long you know we talked about um, the spirit the spirit told you say that again because you shared that tonight and it was very powerful I wrote your words down yeah I was looking at myself and I just said I'm unlovable I'm the savior no I'm I'm beyond the savior's reach just I am the worst kind of person that there is I hated myself but um, and then the, the spirit told me I still love you just let me help you. And 
that's all I just I was so afraid I just I needed help I didn't I didn't know where to find it I didn't know how, what to do I was still lost I was still just struggling and running running from the storm that was inevitable right we talked about the the cows and the buffalo right I was still running from that storm that was just getting bigger and bigger and I just couldn't face it um, but uh, it wasn't until finally a few months later um, that I was I was on a trip uh, with a bunch of really good friends and I saw um, I just saw how happy they were active members of the church and I just thought to myself uh, again just just this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing this is what I want how do I get there and the spirit just had been working on me and then it said um, you, you're an addict and you need to look into I, I, don't, I don't know often it popped in my mind just like these videos you know the the 12-step videos and which the church at that time had released like a year just, ago yeah just started pushing that out and it was yeah. being pushed out social media it was being pushed out everywhere yeah. so right. you remember seeing that on like facebook Probably just or it right away i remember the first time i saw it, i was like yeah whatever right and then because my wife had shown like it to that, me yeah. maybe i think even when it first came out and then several months after that like she'd been trying to like as i look back the spirit was always there trying to catch me right totally. but i was just at those times i was like okay yeah, she whatever, suspected whatever. or she just like hey check this i was out. Uh, confronted a couple of times and um word but I, of course i was so good just ask point blank it was just like, nope, my ego I'm was good. i had such an ego and i had such my defenses were up it's just if i was confronted are you looking at porn yeah. right then it's just like immediately boundaries come up it's like no what are you talking about How no dare and you then, ask me right right things like that so you have that. So now the spirit's telling you point blank what to do. You go. You just start looking on like line. Would you go to the church website? What happens? No, I was completely looking online, and uh, I just watched the videos, and then that's when I just felt, um, if. Yeah, they're pretty grab. Those videos are pretty intense for a yeah. church release thing. These oh, are yeah. it's the step, most realest thing I think and the church it was, ever and it was the, it was just step ever. one, honesty, and that's the one that just that hit dude me because that goes that dude that story was just so close to Holy just crap. it just hit home for me and goes from the process and that's, to that that was my problem. I couldn't. It was just the very beginning. I just couldn't get honest. Uh, I can finally was honest with myself, but I never in my life could just be honest with anyone else. Anyone else? Oh, it's so that's so hard, bro. In the beginning, yeah. it's hard. It's hard when you made a life. I mean, this is one thing you know. Someone that you know, if we're talking about Brad or anyone else, that it's never done. When you made a life of lying, like dude, it is it, like you you be, you don't even know what's truth anymore. Like right. we, you were, we were so good at manipulating ourselves because the first person you got to sell in anything like is yourself, right? To do anything in life. So like whether it's a goal or a bad thing that you're trying to cover up. You got to tell yourself the lie, so that way you can believe it. Then that way you can get others to believe it. Absolutely. See, right? Yeah. So, so now you go to this website. The church is, has released these videos. You watch the videos. Do you go to the bishop? What yeah. Happens? So I'm watching those videos, and and I still was just convinced in my mind, like I, I just I couldn't. I, you can't I didn't have the happen. courage. Like I, I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. I just I can't. Everything is at stake. Yeah. Like I I'm gonna lose everything. Yeah. But then slowly I just had so much love for my wife, and I said, well, at least in my mind. Okay. Have you told I, your wife now? No, point? not at this point. At, at this point, I had already decided in my mind she was going to leave. She yeah. was, I was going to lose like everything. Yeah. The house, the kids, is my life. If, right? if you confessed to right. her. In my mind, it was already okay. done. Right? Okay. You're then, like, this is just a matter of time until she leaves. Right, right. This is just a storm that I'm going to be facing, and it's going to catch up to me. And But I, I, I at least had that thought that, well, at least she'll know after she leaves me that I at least had enough courage to come clean before she leaves me at oh, least that was like her last memory of me in her life would be that i you were I, I did this okay yeah she didn't catch you but right yeah again okay and so um 
my heart started to soften. I, I started to try and get this courage and just pray for this courage. And then I set up an appointment uh, with uh, with the clerk, board clerk, and then went in, met with the bishop, and I told him what happened. Um, all the way from just completely trying to get honest from I've been lying to bishops and I have this word of wisdom problem. I have an addiction to pornography and alcohol and I was unfaithful to my wife and we talked about those things. And then um, what was his reaction? Well, it was just how long you been? You said you recently moved. Has this been like weeks, months, years? It's been how long has this about a year okay, since we've been, been in your the bishop ward. For, so yeah but okay. really didn't and you've been less big model, ward, like beautiful. big ward and it didn't he didn't really know no because he's trying to get to know everyone is really okay. hard you know when you have these big wards but um you know we're trying to sit sit down make a plan of okay well how am i gonna I, I, how am i gonna come i, I want to figure out what his reaction was because probably your fear of doing this would be what like did he yell at you did he be <laughs> like oh my gosh how can you be such an idiot did he hug you did he cry like it what? was it was um, you know, kicking back and looking back, you're just kicking yourself. Just why, why do people, um, if you ever are afraid to go in and just tell the whole truth, no half truths and just be completely honest. Um, because it was such, uh, just a beautiful, compassionate, um, meeting just full of love. Uh, the, the immediate reaction was just, was just compassion. I just felt so much love and just, um, that he really just loved and cared about me and didn't matter what I had done, but just who I was. And I was, I was in his eyes, just, he, he still loved me. And, um, it was, I, I just, I, I don't know why I waited so long because if I would have known that after that point, I learned that I have never after that point, right. have never walked out of the Bishop's office without feeling better than I did when I went in. Right. Because I, I don't know. In my mind, I thought it was going to be some like, no, you were banished from church. And, you know, I, I don't even know. I couldn't my my brain couldn't even process. So here I am always used to trying to think like 10 steps ahead. Right. But I couldn't even predict two steps ahead. Right? And then so I just I, I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine past. Oh, you're going to get excommunicated or you're going to be publicly shamed in front of the ward. And then and then your life's over. Like I, I couldn't I couldn't fathom anything beyond that. Right. And then so it was just going in there, told him he gave me it was, it was just a lot of tears. Um, and just, you know, gave me a lot of hugs and, and blessings. And it was just, it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful thing. How soon after that did you tell your wife? So, uh, we had talked about, you know, maybe I'd write a letter or maybe, you know, a couple of days when I was ready, you know, fast and pray about it. But I got home and, um, immediately because that day, you know, I intentionally didn't take the sacrament in front of my wife. So then also she's like, oh, okay. You know, something's up. So, okay. And her immediate reaction was just, she was so angry and mad. She's like, you're going to tell me what's going on right now. And then so we sat down. So you didn't take the sacrament. You met with the bishop after church. Met with the with um, bishop before, before church. Before church. Okay. Didn't Went take to sacrament second. meeting. So she already knew. Boom, boom, boom. She right? knew you were going to see she the bishop. She knew something was going on. Yeah. She knew okay. something. I was going to see the bishop. She saw me, didn't take a sacrament. And then she's like, okay, when are you going to talk about this? What, tell me what's going on now. Mm-hmm. So I come clean. Um, and... And as I expected, um, it was it devastated her. It, it just completely uh, broke her heart. Um, she kicked me out of the room, and and uh, we had to decide, you know, or she had to decide what she was going to be doing. And it was, it was a rough road ahead. So, uh, from that point, I mean, it was so it was like my worst nightmares were, were, were 
had have control. Had it just I was facing you, the storm. You were expecting her on. to leave you, and and it. I was like, happened. look, look, this is, this is what's gonna happen. My bishop was like commending me. He's like, may we, you know, what President Watson said, choose the harder right, right? May we ever choose the harder right over the easier wrong? And mm-hmm. then I was here. I am. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm choosing the harder right, and I just I want the blessings to come. I I want some kind of reassurance, like because I have no hope right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is exactly everything I thought was gonna happen, and there's no hope. Um, that's what it was. So she she did that. Um, was just yelling, you know. It was a, she she fell out of love with me. She she hated me. She meant it. Um, she wanted a divorce. Uh, she booked a flight out and she had left. Um, uh, like that day, like within uh, days. Within, a, within days, you know. Okay. And so I was home with the kids, just by myself. And then just talks of just um, just divorce, and even to the point where she she did, went. Did the kids know? Like did, did no, was she, she just going to visit mom, dad type she thing? Go visit uh, her sister. Okay. Right. She's like, oh, mom's just going this trip. Yeah. Okay. You know, but she. Kids aren't kids aren't stupid. They could tell something was yeah. Was just they could sense wrong. tension. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how long ago was that? That was approximately. Um, it'll almost a year ago. Okay. And how's your relationship with your wife today? <laughs> it is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? I, it's 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 a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. And it's be, everything is because of this program, um, and it, it's it's because. It all started with just getting honest and making the true. But you didn't just stop there, though, right? Like you, you, you did, you did work after. You, you go to meetings. I mean, like you, like you absolutely. Told, so that before we got started, you said you, you've done the steps, right? That yeah, right. Right. Well, that's, <laughs> I was that's still I was still convinced in my mind that I had done the steps. So met with the bishop. You know, he says, "Okay, go tell your wife sometime." But then on Tuesday, right? So it was Sunday. Tuesday, go to this class ARP. Yeah, <clears throat> and then. So I'm like, okay. So Monday, so Sunday was. There's a uh, lot of meetings out here. In our Sunday, and Monday, Tuesday. All right. So by the time Tuesday hit, when I was supposed to get ARP, like I don't even know. Your wife's already gone. I don't even know what happened or from Sunday to Tuesday, but all of okay. a sudden it was just, just misery. I, I Bishop's I, like Andrew, you need to get to a meeting. You need to he tell said, what he's That's saying. awesome. Yeah. Your and bishop I, and to I had know no idea. Existed. Right. And I was like, I, so I don't even know how I survived those first few days, but then I end up getting to the meeting, and it was a life changer. Um, I, I had no idea what tw- what ARP was or yeah. twelve steps. I, just what you saw from the church, yeah. yeah just what that was. Yeah. yeah, and then so so you go and what was it like? Was it a room full of uh, low life scumbags or what was it like? Yeah, unfortunately, I was still yeah. just my egomaniac and judgmental. I'm sure you right? thought that, right? That's yeah, what I absolutely. Thought. I thought I'd be going in this, uh, you know, like you go. My to wife a, had left you, me. I was sleeping on my mom's couch, right? And I, yeah. you've heard of this story, but like I was on drugs, all the whole thing, and I went still thinking that I was better than everyone that was going to oh, yeah, see that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Night. I well. So I, I re- at this point I thought I was the worst person. Well, yeah, your situation right. a little different, like, right? But yeah. I mean, what I thought I was, was going to see drugs. was yeah. like if, if you go to like Walmart at three a.m. or something like that. Like I thought I was going to be, <laughs> I thought I was going to walk in a room full of something like that, right? And then, so I, yeah, but I walked in and there were was a lot of, tar- of more of a target crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. More they were super posh. More tege, yeah. But really, just Nordstrom. I really rack, nice. Nice. I don't know. Just, just normal people. Normal, normal people. Well, it sounds funny because I get asked that a lot. Like, well, hey, like, look, they rooms. look both ways and they look at me like, so what's it like? Like, what? Are they, all, some, are they all like, like Jay? No. They're, they're like, crazy? What, what is, like, what's it like? Like, you got some, like, crazy people in there, like, off the streets? I'm like, they look like you. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors, lawyers, yeah, there's no way. There's no way from the, from the outside, dude. Engineers. You but, I mean, came in and. Housewives. And I was, I was broken. I was just. I, there was nothing else that could be taken from me. I was I was done. I was broken. My life, as I knew it, was just over. But I came, I sat, and I listened to Jay. Um, 
and every word that he said was just exactly what I needed to hear. Everything from his story to um, just it just completely resonated with me how I felt, and then all the way to him talking about you know his wife leaving him and how he has his life back and just seeing his wife with her. You know, it was just and in my mind I just had that little spark of hope that maybe maybe that can be me maybe this can work for me i all i can do is just hope at this point right i i already you know i have faith and again growing up in the church living in the church seeing miracles happen just like oh yeah i have faith that this saves people and the church is true and blah blah but does it really work for me right right and then so that was just a little spark just from listening to jay and from that point i never never looked back and i haven't stopped coming the cr- critics of 12-step meetings and people when they say when they self-identify as addicts always you know they cry like you don't need to identify that way you know it's so deprecating but yet there's time, a big movement time over time you hear newcomers come and say because so and so and that person and that person identified i was really i related to them and it gave me hope and mm-hmm. so if, if people did not identify that that's your hope like you hear they were where I was at one time. Yeah, if they were just and opening their share and saying, they're just their like, name, look, and yeah, like, hey, here's where I'm at. I, I, I'm, awesome. I'm good. I'm good. I've been drugs in years. Yeah. So I, to me, those people, it's humility. To to you me, those people who say that have never been to a meeting and they don't see how it works. There's a level of humility. I mean, think about this, Brad, for your own life or anything else outside of the church or ARP or AA. Where do you hear someone talk? Like a professional athlete doesn't say they're MVP, but they used to suck, right? No, they just say I'm in, right? They Michael talk Jordan, about their, the greats do. Like Michael Jordan talked about how many shots he missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying because there's a level of humility. They know what they've accomplished, right? But what I'm getting at is that, like you're saying, if everyone just opened up with their name or whatever and just talked about where they're at today, you'd go, okay, then what, well, I can't identify to that, right? Because, but instead the culture is when there's a newcomer that comes into a room, you don't talk about yourself, you talk about where you were. So that way, so every time, if you've noticed in these meetings, when I notice, or you know, I'm sure it's like this in everywhere, but when you notice there's newcomers in the room, there's new faces, I don't talk about where I am today, I talk about my story again. I just share the same thing, and it could be boring for everyone or whatever, <laughs> but the point is, is I don't care if everyone's heard it, that I want that one person who just walked in the first time to know that like, hey, I was where you're at, and now I'm not. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it doesn't rule my life anymore. I still have ups and downs, but hey, dude, I thought I was going to die too. So you probably feel like you're going to die or you want to die like I, like we did. But like you, you're not going to have to be that way anymore. And yet you can still be in this weird progression, not perfection. You know, I didn't even think that was possible. And the church is so black and white. At least that's what addicts think. I've noticed a common thread with all addicts is we all at one point believed that God was a fire and brimstone God. He wasn't a God of mercy and love. We, like and I've, I've asked a lot of addicts and we do steps together and when I hear in the meetings and and when I've listened to other tapes and he is not though like I have learned I was just telling someone this the other day everything I've learned in this program over the last four and a half years tells me that there is almost nothing you can do to exempt yourself from God ever his love from you ever like nothing there's not one sin. It says it in the manual. It says it. There's general authorities that have said it. It quotes a general story in the manual. It says there's not one transgression, not one sin, not one misdeed, not one thought. None of those things can exempt you from full forgiveness if you humble yourself. And you came. You humbled yourself. You got a sponsor. You worked the steps. Now you're on a podcast sharing your story to help others. You're not perfect, but you're, you're trying to be part of the solution now rather than living in shame and hiding in lies, which is part of the problem. 
Absolutely. Right? That projects problems. You are now part of the solution. That's the whole point. So if you're listening and if you've identified uh, with Andrew and you've identified with his story and you've, uh, you're on the fence about maybe you tell your wife, maybe you don't, or maybe you come clean to your bishop, if you didn't get courage and if you didn't get hope that like it'll all work out from this or any of our other podcasts, I don't know if you were really listening. You need to press rewind and listen again because for the last 26 minutes, we've heard a story that has been, you know, if you if you didn't listen to the end and you only listened to the beginning, you'd go, oh man, that's my life to a T and it sucks. Well, guess what? If you listen all the way to the end of this last five minutes, we talked about how his life's in a totally different way. He's still with his wife. He still has kids. He's serving in a calling. Now he's uh, he's helping in meetings and, and now he's on a podcast and he's not perfect, but he's part of the solution now. That's the miracle that happens. We just spoke in another ward the other day and I asked everyone in, in this little ward that we were at or in this uh, fifth Sunday, like so elders corner, everyone and, and Relief Society, I said, yeah, you, you don't. If you wonder if miracles still are around today, I'm gonna show you one. And then I talked about a, a guy who had like 70 days or 100 and something days in recovery after 17 years of using and sex and drugs and everything. And I said this is a miracle because if you were a drug addict like me or this person or you, right, alcoholics, what did it matter? If you were like me or Andrew or any of these other people we've had on the podcast, the odds of living a sober life is thousand times to one like you know what i mean it's more of a that's why it's a miracle when someone gets sober that's why it's a miracle when someone gets honest that's why it's a miracle when someone does it and then goes back and helping we're supposed to relapse we're supposed to like the odds are against us in fact that's the normal thing that's what this disease is that's why you hear it's a disease of relapse but it doesn't have to be that's why it's a miracle when people get honest that's why it's a miracle when they want to be part of the solution rather than the problem and the miracle, like you, you smiled when you're like, our marriage is awesome. You know, a year later, can you even fat, like look in the mirror and go, my wife's booked her flight, filing divorce. And then a year later from that, and you're like, she's, we're just speechless. Back I in love. Yeah. And that could be a whole new, whole nother podcast alone of just recovery and that. And that totally. Right? Just right. how, uh, w- what we've seen a lot of trend in our meetings is spouses coming with their they're coming together. Has your wife come to meetings with you? Absolutely. She she tries to come to as many as she can. It's hard. And how has that helped? It's it's been nice to, I guess from a selfish standpoint, right, be validated as an addict. Just be like, look, it's I'm not I'm not the only, I'm one. Not the only one, right? When she, I think when when she hears other people, um, addicts share or talk about things and maybe things that we'd even discussed previously or things that she's heard me say. And she's like, I just don't get that or I don't understand that. You know, then all of a sudden hearing it from someone else, I can kind of yeah. feel like I don't want to nudge her, but it's just like I can. They get it. My there's more compassion, right? The same thing. Like yeah. she didn't. She thought that like she has talked about this a lot, even on the podcast, I think, is she used to think like if you loved me and our son, we had one son at the time when you know, we, she was pregnant when she left me with our second. But she used to say, if you loved me and Rusty, our son, then you would stop because right. mine was drugs. I mean, it was, of course, it was porn, too, but. I was consumed with drugs, like consumed. Oh, yeah. I, I, I ate pills more than I ate food, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, uh, but it took, you know, first some people takes a lot of meetings, but for her, it was one meeting and that was it. It was just like, there was enough people in that room. There was enough magic. There was enough miracles, there was enough soul searching on her part for the last few months. She was at a point where she was humble too, which is what it takes. And so, but she went to the meeting too, and that was huge. And, and she heard the wife share. She heard, uh, you know, maybe one wife share and a, six or seven addicts and she goes wait a minute these are doctors these are lawyers these are people that are older than us that on the outside have way more than we do right we had nothing now um we lost our grants at school and stuff and 
and scholarships and these people are, are saying the same things Jay said. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're saying the same, the, how hard it was to get sober. And so maybe he's not full of shit. You know what I mean? He was full of it, but maybe he, you know, maybe it's, maybe it is hard. Maybe it is, uh, maybe, maybe he's not the only one, right? And I know I felt that I was the only one walking in there, but I left, you know, that's why I keep coming back. Well, and I think uh, we're not the only ones. That's why we got to do what we're doing right now. That's why Brad got inspired to do this podcast in the first place, right? I mean, he was so, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I thought it was full of it. I I was like, dude, like, I love it. And don't get me wrong, I have an ego, and I want to hear myself talk. I want to, you know, get recognition (laughs) for doing something good just as much as the next person because it feels good to do something and be part of the solution. But I honestly didn't believe people were going to listen. If we didn't, like, how how would people find this? You know what I mean? I get someone could search it, but the amount of listeners that have happened organically proves that Brad was inspired. It proves that there's a problem out there and we are either going to choose as addicts to get sober and then to hide that light under a bushel, like it says, or we're not going to be part of the solution. And you will not be perfect, Andrew, the rest of your life. I promise you that. You're going to have ups and downs through your recovery. You know, I know you said you only have like a little over a year, right? But you know, almost a year. So you're going to have ups and downs, but you know what? As long as you stay a in the solution, right? A part of that solution, that team of people of, of, that are out there yeah. that are here in your home stake in Arizona, then you, you, you'll never quit. You're never going to go back to that life. The biggest fear I think we have is that we'll fall back there. But if you stay in, in the safety of the solution, the problem will never surround you again, right? You think about right. how you got into it in the first place. It started with a lie. It started with not telling anyone. It started with things. So if you're listening, once again, like, you know, not to switch it over to admonishing, but if you're listening and you're debating on what to get honest or not, get honest. It will hurt at first, but I promise you, every night Andrew goes to bed right now, I promise you he feels a lot better if he puts himself back where he was, you know, a little over a year ago when he would go to bed, right? You probably didn't look yourself in the mirror after you did your nice, Andrew's got perfect hair, but like after you looked at, <laughs> you did your hair, you probably didn't want to look at yourself. I knew I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror. No way. And I have an ego bigger than anyone. And I did not want to see myself in the mirror because I knew how foolish I was. And every time I'd stare at myself in the mirror, I would, I would just, I would, dude, it was depressing. And so I just look away. Right, just get ready and look away. I don't want to. You know. If you know how much Jay looks at himself in the mirror, you know. Now that I'm time. sober, I stare at him selfies all day long. But <laughs> I would kidding. too. No, yeah. But so, it's, anyways, so Andrew, you're, straight you're talk, man. some advice. So, yeah, what's might, your advice? Let's everyone? say there's a person listening on this that is going. You know, they're living the double life like you were doing, um, and they they're going to take this to the grave. We've heard that on a few people we've talked about on Asiatic, where they <coughs> were going to take this into the grave, and they're like, "I'll go to Celestial Kingdom." I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to die with this and I'm going to live in hell here on earth. Um, you're not living in hell now. No. You seem like a pretty happy dude. Your marriage seems, you said awesome. Right. My perspective. So I think it's awesome. straight talk, like I'm some dude listening to this in some other town or some other country and what, what, what would tell him to do? Straight talk. Just straight talk. Just Get honest. Stop being a coward like I was and just go and do it. Okay, face so, it. And, face and, it head on. I mean, it, yeah, it's going to hurt and it, it's going to suck and who knows how many months, but it has. it's it's the storm again. It, it worked for you in this order, but I would probably recommend go to your on your knees and get some inspiration, personal revelation. But, right. you be but for you, because sometimes you lie to yourself. And yeah, you, but like did, yeah. first step would be go to your bishop. You recommend that or go to your spouse? Um, I definitely I've heard it both ways. I've heard it both ways. I, yeah, for you, absolutely. It worked. For me, it worked to go to my bishop because at, at right least counsel. it was someone to give me counsel and for to to open 
to open up to someone, right? So if I were to open up for the first time to anyone, I don't think it would have been safe to open up to my spouse. I mean, totally. if it was completely new to me. So to be able to have someone inspired and wear the mantle of bishop and, and to actually open up and be vulnerable to someone and to receive counsel there, that was absolutely the right step for me. Okay. Well, being honest, and uh, let's just end it there because that's been – that that's that's a theme on all of these interviews is when people are, have not been honest with themselves for long periods of time, that little cancer cell just grows and grows until something blows up. It will um, progress. It, yeah, this is what you're saying. Like it's <laughs> cancer. What what is cancer? Right, it's systemic. Yeah. And whether so whether addiction has been to alcohol, to drugs, pornography, to codependency. Yep. Um, I, I think as a listener, you're seeing that theme throughout it. Uh, the theme of of solution is also be a part of the solution and the only way you're gonna if you want your life to if you want the the chaos to end you you gotta be the you gotta be the one to stop it i I posted something on our instagram thing the other day that i i saw on instagram it was it was inspiring it's like you can't start what do they say it says something about if you don't start you'll never you know something like you gotta start if until you start nothing happens like nothing happens you'll just get worse it will get worse you think the pain sucks now wait till you progress it'll get worse man the pain of the solution. See, what's the, the saying? Yeah, the saying, saying is, the is the pain of the solution has to become less than the pain of the problem. And uh, my problem was super big, and I never thought that the pain of that problem of drugs and lies and just how sick I felt physically and mentally and spiritually, that it would never end because that problem was big enough. It was consuming. I didn't get out of bed some days, uh, and I'm a pretty active person. But, like, the pain of the solution, getting honest, going to meetings, having my wife leave me, sleeping on my mom's couch, you know, had to find a job. You know what I mean? Like the pain of that solution finally was like anything else, even if I become a garbage man for the rest of my life and I'm sober, it'll be better, you know, than, than living the life I was living on drugs. Yeah, and that's like, that's absolutely the point that I got to. I was, I was laying down, I was on the ground, I was like, at least, at least, even if all else fails, at least my savior was, at least I can rely on that. And and th- that's what it took. It took me to give it all, put it all on the altar with a broken heart, and just say, "Look, I don't, I don't deserve any of this. It's not mine anyway." Yeah. And just to finally give it up. And I think that's the other word of advice is just finally just be willing to put that on the altar, and then what you re- receive back in return is is a, something better. So. Andrew, thank you very much. You are the man. Gilbert we, is uh, lucky to thank have you. you. For sure, that out. <laughs> Gilbert, Arizona. Um, it's it's true honor to meet you and, and talk with you. Utah Light over here. You're the man, dude. Keep it up. All, All right. right. Till next time, this is Brad J on the Next Step Podcast. Don't forget to uh, give us a shout out on any social media. Like it. Share um, with your friends. Share, share with your, your friends. bishop. Share with your president. Yeah. Share with the Relief Society president. Share with everyone. Help us out if you find, want. Find I know it's not episode. the section, but find it. We just added a new link. I'm going to talk about this real quick. We added a link for donations. If you've listened to our older podcast, by the way, give kudos to Brad. I know we've got comments. You guys are super soft with the comments. I love it. You're like, oh, I love the podcast. I love this. But the autos, Brad's just trying to figure this thing out on GarageBand, and he's done an <laughs> awesome job. But we'd love to be able to afford to pay someone to edit everything for us. You know, we'll try to find the cheapest one to do it. But you know what? We just want it to be excellent quality. We want you guys who actually listen every week and download every week. We love you. Once you have the best quality, we want uh, to be able to go on the road like we are today. We want to be able to help others. We want to be able to help other ARP meetings. 
things. We want to do a lot of stuff with this program. The only way we're going to be able to do that is with donations. So whatever you can, um, we have a link on our website, right? Uh, it's on our website, thenextsteppodcast.com. There's yep. a link on the show notes. If uh, you know, if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud, there's a link directly on there. Help us out. Um, we have normal jobs and kids and stuff. So we're, Brad, Brad does a lot of work trying to edit this when he goes I, home. I have to pay our uh, service fees as all because we're coming up about a year. Yeah. Now on this when we first started, so you, I got to do renew all of our uh, our annual and, contracts on this, and, and the bills this, are coming up. And this year he's going to make me try to pay for it. He, he, he's paid <laughs> for, every, for everything. He's paid for everything. I just show up and talk. <laughs> Anyways, you were awesome. We love you guys. Thanks again, Andrew. All right, we're out. All right.
give him shine.